Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Betty, what are you doing? <laughs> just, uh, I just had a big old string come out of my boxers. <laughs> it's Wes. But I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. And Walker. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. This is why we're the best news show. That's a promo. It's 2 o'clock on a Friday. You know what that means. You're going to get that Elton John to get you going. Through the rest of your day as we march towards the weekend. For a lot of people, the weekend is three to four hours away, depending on if you get off at five, if you get off at six, or maybe you work third shift or something like that. But for most people, five or six o'clock means the weekend has officially started. So for us, I guess what? It starts at three o'clock? Yeah, three o'clock. We got an hour and then (laughs) another football weekend is upon us. Yes, we are... The lucky one. So, welcome back to the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ text line 704-570-9610. An 828 number tells us, he says, Wes, you need to get Fitty on Snowfall if you haven't already. He said, watched it after you talked about it straight fire. I appreciate that, man, 828, because uh, Unc B, I think is his name, because uh, I try to put them on art and masterpieces, man, and they just don't listen to me. And it's one of those things that they'll appreciate it uh, at a later date. Sorry, guys. Billy Joe. I'm sorry. Fitty <laughs> was supposed to correct me, man. My bad. Look, uh, Billy Joe. Sorry. I'm not I'm not in the business of showing up the people that I work with. No. That's just not who I am. Let me know, especially you if I make lying. an egregious mistake like that. <laughs> that is a lie. If I make an egregious mistake like that with, with the legend, man, let me know. All right, because the texts are definitely rolling in. That's something else that will get the text line started, man. If you make a mistake, they're definitely going to chime in to let you know that. All right, so yes, my bad, folks. I am... Sorry, but yeah, man, uh, Snowfall is, in my opinion, one of the greatest shows to ever be on TV. Uh, I love it a lot, man. It's one of the most powerful shows uh, that I've watched as well. Like my mom, she couldn't, she bowed out after a while because she said that she would always have nightmares after she watched it because it was that like wow, real. Yeah, you get immersed in it, man. It, it's a very raw show. Uh, Shrop, are you familiar with Snowfall? You may be familiar with it, but did you watch it? No. I don't even know what it is. I just oh man, you Snowfall know, is unbelievable. I, it's basically a show uh, based around Franklin saying who's this whiz kid. He tries to do it the right way. He has entrepreneurial aspirations of going to college and doing it the right way. Doesn't work out for him. So he gets in the streets and he starts selling weed, and then he moves up to um, the big boy. And this is the genesis. The show is based around the genesis of the crack era in uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, very powerful. It's not a show that glamorizes it in any way. 
Uh, it shows you all sides and how it affected communities and things like that, man. The acting is exquisite. But yeah, man, those situations are pretty raw and it's definitely for mature audiences. Damn. You can take it every way that you want to, but it's a phenomenal show. The acting is A+. plus. The story is A+. plus. It ended in a way that was just, it just leaves a mark on you. It's one of those shows that leaves a mark on you after you watch it, you know? So if you guys get a chance, definitely check that out. It's definitely in my top five shows of all time. But right now, one of my favorites as a radio host is the Live Wire, Live Wire with Josh Fiddy Marlowe. Shroppy, drop the hits. Live Wire's on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. All right. All righty. Well, it is a football <laughs> Friday here in the Queen City, even though the Panthers are off this week. And one of the things that we've been talking about is comparing Bryce Young to C.J. Stroud. And yesterday, Trevor Sikkim, you heard from him earlier in the show. He was on with our afternoon host, Kyle Bailey. And he talked about the different situations that Bryce Young is in compared to what C.J. Stroud has down in H-Town. Even with a banged-up offensive line in Houston, I think things are still worse in Carolina than they are with the Houston Texans. And I think you just got to kind of like hat tip and, and give some respect to what C.J. Stroud's able to do in that certain situation. I don't really think it takes away too much from what the long-term outlook might be for Bryce Young. But very clearly, what you said, they're in sync right now. The offensive coordinator, the play calling, what C.J. Stroud is seeing, what they need him to see, how the receivers are getting open, when they're getting open – it is all so much more in sync than it is in Carolina. They're just, it, it does not have that confidence. There's no continuity. There's no chemistry there. So that really, to me, is the big difference. To me, it's not this, hey, this was the guy. CJ Stroud should have been the guy all along. I don't, I don't believe that, certainly six weeks into this thing. But there's no doubt about it. They are operating much more confidently than Carolina is. Uh, when you hear a bite like that, I, I think that that was great because I think it provides a lot of context to the situation. I think you look at it, man, football is such a situational game. And I think that if C.J. Stroud will hear a lot of the issues that you're going through, we've heard about the accuracy of Bryce Young when receivers are open. And we see him improving steadily each week. But just because of what C.J. Stroud is doing in Houston. That does not mean that that would happen here. Yes, they're sitting at 3-3, three and three, but that does not mean that the Carolina Panthers would be 3-3 three and three if C.J. Stroud was the quarterback. And I think fans, they get caught up in that a lot and thinking, well, if he's doing this here, he'd be doing this here. No, it doesn't always work out like that, man. It depends on situation, personnel, how things come together. All of that plays into a factor. So I think when we like to play the comparison game, it can get us into a lot of trouble. Yeah, and I mean, I just go back to the way I thought about the NFL draft. If, if, if you would have told me that the C.J. Stroud I saw make every throw against Georgia in the playoff game that, that Ohio State lost, if that's the guy I was going to get every Sunday, I would have drafted him over Bryce Young. Didn't think I was going to get that guy because he was so inconsistent at big games. So I think he's off to a really fast start. I still think when the dust settles, Carolina will be happy with their selection. Not to say that Stroud's not going to be a great quarterback. I think he's going to be the franchise quarterback that Houston needs. I do think, though, Bryce, <clears throat> Bryce Young will hold up his end of the bargain. Moving on. Remember yesterday, sure. Wes, we had a lot of uh, LaMelo ball hate. We, had, we, we talked we about when we did our Mellow Mania segment. Well, now we got audio mm -hmm. of Jay King. He joined the NBA Athletics Show and offered this take about the Hornet superstar. Most overrated young player. 
Jay, we'll start with you. LaMelo Ball. Oh, he's been itching. LaMelo Ball. He's so good. I just got got a question. Like, so you you put him on a playoff-level team. What does he turn into? Still probably an inefficient chucker who makes great, brilliant passes from time to time. Right. But also settles for bad shots, takes floaters that he doesn't really make too often. Um, To me, his issue is like he picks away possessions. Just picks them away. And you cannot have a point guard doing that and he's an all he's been an all-star like this is a guy who should be held to a really high standard because his teams have been bad and i understand like like let's say look at devin booker his efficiency was bad until the team got good and then it was like oh actually he's been really good this whole time but his troop shooting percentage wasn't there because he was playing with bums and that matters the environment matters Mm -hmm. I think it's entirely possible that in a better situation, LaMelo Ball would play differently. From what we've seen, he just pisses away too many possessions. He doesn't play defense. Two years ago, there were four. He's a 6'7 point guard. He should be so good defensively. He's yeah. so long. Like, why are you not good defensively? That It makes no sense. Man, definitely some harsh critiques there. Is there some truth there? Sure. And is there some things there that we necessarily don't agree with? Sure. But I think that all of this tells me with some of the things that we talked about yesterday and what we talked about today, that tells me that this is a proven year for LaMelo Ball. This is your fourth season at the helm in Charlotte. You've you got the a, bag. Yeah, you've gotten a young guy moniker. You've gotten to make your mistakes and say, oh, well, he's young. He's still learning. This is year four now. This tells me for me, it's time to turn up. It's time to put it together because that's been one of my critiques of LaMelo uh, since he's been in the league, especially as he started to get a little bit older, is controlling the tempo of games. Yeah. That's the next level for LaMelo is being able to control the tempo. We see Luka, we see Jokic, we see some of the great players in the game really control the tempo uh, of basketball games. And how do you do that? Getting to the line more, understanding the floor of the game. If a team is on an 8-10-0 run, okay, I'm going to go in here and attack the basket, get fouled, go to the line, slow this game down, be able to bring my team down. The the turnovers, yeah, it is a little on the high side when you look at last season, 3.6 per game, but he's still at around a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. So, yes, there are some ways that he needs to get better. He's 22, but yeah, from what I'm hearing, this is going to be a big prove-it season for LaMelo. LaMelo needs to take all of this criticism. If he hears it, bottle it up, and go out there and shut everybody up. I just think and I watch I watch him play 82 nights a game. He impacts winning. Yeah. Like I don't think he's a flashy guy that doesn't impact winning. Like there's a clear difference in the team that we see on the court with Lamelo as opposed to this uh, as opposed to the team we saw we saw last year when Lamelo was not on the court. Moving on, working some college football. Um, a lot of hype, a lot of uh, belief is is starting to come about the Tar Heels being a legit threat to make. The ACC title game, maybe even be a dark horse to make the college football playoff. Former national champion quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide is just uh, Greg McElroy. It's just the latest to become a believer in my Tar Heels. <laughs> North Carolina is very real. I continue to be very, very impressed with how much they grow on a week-to-week basis. I think they're really solid on defense. They continue to apply decent pressure 
with their defensive line. Cayman Rucker is awesome. And the other thing I'll say about this, Tez Walker makes them very different. When you have Tez Walker and you have a game-changing X receiver that you can just put out there and you got to double that guy because the safety, you got to kind of put him over the top because if he gets one-on-one, he will bury you. That makes them very different, and I think it's going to make them extremely difficult to defend. Amari and Hampton goes for nearly 200 on the ground. The run game was really solid as well, had a couple big runs. So this North Carolina team, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say they're the best team in the ACC. I still think Florida State has a slight edge there, but man, that gap, it's getting more and more narrow as the weeks go along. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I will say for your Tar Heel City, the thing that I didn't believe in the most that is coming to fruition is that this defense is serviceable at worst right now. They are uh, putting teams behind the chains. They're getting stops when they need to, where in years past, especially with Drake May, you felt like that no matter what, and with Sam Howell as well, you felt like the UNC was going to play arena football every single week. You felt like that no matter what happens, this crew is going to come out and have to win games uh, with their offense because you knew that the defense was going to bend and break. And you look at guys like Omari and Hampton that's sitting at 109 yards per game rushing, leading the ACC. Who would have thought UNC would have had a running back that's leading the conference and rushing? Tez Walker, who we're going to talk about in the next segment and what type of difference he makes, he's definitely coming out there giving them another weapon. So, yeah, man, I mean, I have I know that I picked them 6-6 six and six to start the season. <laughs> I don't know if I'm at the college football playoff level or even the ACC championship game level I yet. I can't wait for that Chima dinner, baby. But this is a team <laughs> that week to week, uh, they've been getting a job done, man, in a real way. All right, the last thing, and look, I do want to address, we are getting the text about the Brandon Miller stuff. We're going to dive into it and get a chance to react uh, in the next segment. But, Wes, a lot of talk about system quarterbacks and how they exist in the NFL. And uh, Mike McDaniel was asked if Tua is a system quarterback, and the Dolphins head coach didn't take too kind to that assessment. There are some folks who believe that many quarterbacks in this scheme with you as the coach, with Tyreek and Jalen, maybe even many, many quarterbacks would excel, would flourish, would be near the top of the passer Raider leading MVP candidate. What, if any, pushback is there relative to, wait, no, no, hold on. Tua is a little bit. Let's push this podium over. Um, (laughs) My my answer to that would would be who the F cares because it is a team where – we're working together, and I know one thing. Um, I've coached stuff a long time. I haven't seen um, people do what our guys do. Um, yeah, man, this is one of the labels that I kind of hate. Because uh, cause your guy got the label, too. And yeah. I, I was guilty of it until I <laughs> saw him make. There were three to four throws Purdy made against the Cowboys on primetime where I'm mm-hmm. like, Look, the, he's in a system that benefits him because he's got great players around him. Yeah. But he can make the throws that you got to make at this level. Same thing can be said about Tua. Yeah, no doubt about it. I don't feel like you could just take any quarterback. Obviously, there's quarterbacks of a certain ilk that you could put into that Dolphins system that would still thrive. 
But you guys are forgetting, man. Coming out of high school, Tua was that guy. Going to Alabama, he was that guy. At Alabama, he was that guy. Like, Tua's the real deal. This isn't like they just took some guy out of nowhere and they're balling out. And there's been uh, not enough of a sample size in the Dolphins' offense to prove if he is or isn't a system player. But again, you want to be in a great system. Everybody strives to be in a great system. But Tua's accuracy, uh, the things that he brings to the table, I think he's going to be successful if you give him the requisite weapons and a good offensive line. I think that he's going to put up numbers, but people always love to uh, go to those types of labels. But that's the Live Wire with Josh Fitty Marlowe. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. When we come back, more college football talk. ACC changing their schedule method with new teams coming in. That and more on the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Biggie. We are rolling down the stretch here on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. If you're looking for us, you can also find us on the WFNZ app as well. And something we haven't plugged in a while, man, hit up the podcast, too. If you missed the show, if you want to hear it again, some of the best segments that we have to offer to you, hit us up and check us out. Check out the podcast as well, man. Apple Podcasts, WFNZ app, wherever you get your podcast, check out Weston Walker. Download it, listen to it, do the dog on thing. And so this weekend, Fitty, we've been talking heavy college football. We like the slate this weekend as far as some of the games that will have a major impact on the landscape of the ACC and some other conferences going forward could be in college football, depending on how the games go. So now let's get back into this thing. And with the ACC and expansion, we've been talking about that ad nauseum. And so the ACC, they've got fall meetings coming up, start on Thursday, according to ESPN's Andrea Adelson. You heard her uh, a couple of days ago on the Wes and Walker show And so with Cal, Stanford, and SMU coming to the conference starting in the 2024-2025 calendar year, and they're going to join in every sport that the conference hosts sports in, and it takes the total amount of schools in the league to 18. And the big changes to the schedule that they're going to be talking about doing is something that they just implemented uh, recently, three permanent rivals in favor of protected games. And so the ACC moved away from the divisional model, which saw seven teams each in the Atlantic and the Coastal with the winners facing off in the championship game. After the 2022 season, they gave each team three permanent rivals, which they would play twice home and away from 2023 to 2026. And they would also face 
face all other ACC opponents twice during that time, once at home and once on the road. And so, for example, like the permanent rivals for Pitt were Boston College, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse, who they have faced every season since 1955. They're going to look to put in a model that is close to the one that the Big Ten uses where they have protected games. So the ACC or the Big Ten added former Pac-12 schools, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington. And so that's going to lead to changes there. And so examples of protected games that you'll see in the Big Ten, UCLA versus USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana, and Purdue. So how do you like this, Fiddy? And do you prefer the permanent rivals method or the protected games? I'm of the opinion as a Tar Heel fan, I want the permanent rivals. So I want... I want State, Duke, and Virginia every year on my schedule because those are those are the games that at UNC either you know get you fired or get you a second contract. How you how you perform in those games, and I'm just I'm just of the opinion, Wes, as as college football continues to change, continues to evolve, and and, and really regionality doesn't matter anymore. We need to protect the rivalries as much as possible. Because that's the that's that's the lifeline of the sport is watching teams that love that, that that love to hate each other play, and you know I mean how excited are we to get the Texas Texas A and M rivalry back once Texas joins the SEC? That was must watch TV on Thursday night on Thanksgiving back before you had the third the the Thanksgiving night NFL game, mm-hmm. and, and so look at how much college football suffered from that. We no longer have the border war when once Missouri left the Big 12 to go to the SEC. And so I want these conferences, if they're going to expand and bring in teams from every time zone, that's fine. You got to do what you got to do. But don't take away the games that make your conference what they are. And so for me, I would hate to not play Duke State of Virginia every single year. Yeah, and so I like to the protected games. The permanent rivals deal wasn't necessarily something I was jumping for joy for. I like the uh, protected games method, especially when you get to play some of those schools that you know that losing that rivalry would really hurt. And so I think now with all these teams coming in, there was a chance for some of these games to be washed away. And so I think now you see that these games have a chance to be preserved even with all of these new teams joining the conference. So we're going to see, man, in those meetings, if teams are going to be in favor of it. Do you think that they're going to want to keep it how it is, or do you think that uh, they're going to want to go to this protected games method? I, I, I think they'll lean towards that because a lot of these schools do care, want to preserve their rivalries. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I hope they keep the permanent rivals, but I wouldn't be surprised if they follow suit with what the Big Ten is going to do because the Big Ten is becoming the model with how big their conference is. Um, and they're they're the one conference that has teams on the West Coast because the SEC does not yet have a West Coast team. So I'd love to see Jim Phillips and the league stick to their guns with the new schedule. But if they change it again, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and so um, as we said, we'll see how that comes. And we're definitely going to keep you up to date here on Wes and Walker with all of the happenings at the ACC fall meeting. So talking about your Tar Heels, Fitty, and we heard the soundbite from Greg McElroy talking about what a difference uh, Tez Walker has made in this offense. And when you look at them, they're number two, well, actually tied, no, I'm sorry, they're number two in the ACC by a very minuscule amount, five-tenths we're talking about. Uh, when you look at 
the total offense numbers in the ACC. Miami is number one in total offense, but Carolina is sitting there right at number two by a very, very small margin. And when you look at the last couple of contests that they played, they racked up 644 yards of offense against Syracuse, and that was the return of Tez Walker. And then against the Miami Hurricanes, they roll out another 508, 273 passing in that game to be exact, 442 versus Syracuse. Does Tez Walker, in your opinion, take UNC's offense to another level? Or do you think that even if his presence was not inserted back into this lineup, they would still be very explosive? Uh, I think the biggest thing they have is they have a true home run threat, which is something they didn't have before him. Sure, Kobe Pesor, Nate McCollum, J.J. Jones, they poised the, the ability to maybe – take a play all the way to the end zone. But you saw it once Tez Walker got reinstated back into the lineup. You know, Drake May throws as good a deep ball as you're going to see in the country, and it goes for six. And so I think it's going to make it a lot harder to defend Carolina um, because if, if, if you put seven, eight in the box, they can now hit you over the top for a big play, which is something that they hadn't really done before he got back. It was a methodical offense. And there's nothing wrong with being a, a, with an offense that moves the ball methodically down the field. But if you want to win some of these games against some of the defenses you got to face later in the year, like Duke, Clemson, and NC State, you got to be able to hit some big plays. And, and now they're just more capable of doing that. And so I don't uh, not to say the offense wasn't explosive or wasn't dynamic without him. It just goes to a different gear with him. Yeah, I think so, too, man. And I think when you talk about a guy who is going to be your de facto number one wide receiver uh, and he comes back into the lineup, I think that's going to boost any football team and especially with a quarterback like Drake May that's going to find you. And so I think that he does give this offense a different element. It gives you somebody else to worry about. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing, man. With a guy like Drake May, you want him to have – the least amount of weapons that you could ask for. And so when you give him another option, another guy that you have to worry about that, oh, yeah, seems to be a difference maker at the position, I think that that does take Carolina's offense to another level. And so they're going to go up against Virginia, and they're going to have some more tests down the stretch with some really good defenses like the Dukes of the world and Clemson's and things of that nature. But I'm sure they are very happy to have number nine out of West Charlotte High School, Tess Walker out there catching passes and so when we talk about the quarterbacks we know how important they are and we've given out some superlatives we gave out our midseason player of the year coach of the year but who do you feel like at this point is the most unstoppable non-quarterback in the ACC it could be offense or defense but do you have a guy that you feel like is just uh, really out there getting it done and really making a huge difference for their football team. I mean, my Tar Heel bias would probably say Amarian Hampton, but he's really only had two big games. He was kind of held in check against, you know, Minnesota uh, and Pittsburgh. I think I think Keon Coleman is is a, is a difference maker for Florida State. He takes that offense to a different level, even with Johnny Wilson uh, and Jaheim Bell uh, on, on on that roster. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought in the preseason this would have been like if you'd asked me this. I thought Will Shipley was going to be dominant mm-hmm. in Garrett Riley's offense. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to get a lot of yards. 
a lot of touches and a lot of touchdowns. And that might be true for the second half of the year. But he hasn't quite had the explosive first half of the year that I thought he was going to have. And so, for me, I'd probably go either Amarian Hampton or Keon Coleman down at Florida State. Yeah, the thing about Keon Coleman, too, this is going to be a huge spot for him to really show, is he that guy? Because you watch him, he's uber-athletic. I mean, you look at the size, speed, skill, dimension, 6'4", 210. I mean, Southern Miss, he hurdled a guy. He's got shakes. He returns punts. How many 6'4", 6'5", guys do you see returning punts for their team? Last week um, in the game against Syracuse, he he had over 100 yards receiving and over 100 yards in punt returns, and that has not been done at Florida State since Peter Warg, my favorite college football player of all time, was roaming around in Tallahassee. And so I think this is a big spot for him because if you look at the numbers game by game, either Florida State's not targeting him enough or either he's not consistently winning to the point to where he's just eating. Because you look at the numbers, he goes 9 for 122 against LSU. That was his coming out party with three scores. Then he goes 48 yards and a touch against Southern Miss. All right, you knew you were going to blow them out. So no sweat there that he didn't have a huge game. Boston College, though, he goes 0 for 0 reception, 0 yards. Then against Clemson, he's 5 for 86 with two scores, including the go-ahead touchdown. Virginia Tech, 3 for 22. And so he explodes against Syracuse 9 for 140 and a touch and had that big one-handed catch uh, in that football game. And so for him, that's the thing. He's got to be consistent and come up for them big in the big games. I do love what he brings to the table, but I just want to see him be able to do it on those stages. Uh, I would go Amarian Hampton. No, you know, I've been uh, on him this season, and I think that he makes this Carolina offense really tough to deal with. When you look at him, uh, when he gets out there in the open field, I mean, just wow. When you look at the way that he's able to break tackles, he's averaging almost six yards uh, per rush. He's got eight touchdowns on the year, as I said, leading the ACC and rushing 109 yards per game. And I think that's what really balances out this UNC offense with the way that they can explode as far as passing. Drake May leads the conference in passing yards per game at 317. And I think that he certainly balances out this offense to where you got to still make the decision. How many people do I want to put in this box to be able to deal with him? And he makes you pay. So I think that he and Drake may work hand in hand. Now, before we went to the break, we talked about this. But in Charlotte Hornets news, turning the page there, wrongful death lawsuit filed against ex-Alabama star Brandon Miller, Charlotte Hornets rookie, the family of the woman killed in the shooting on the Tuscaloosa Strip near the University of Alabama campus has filed a wrongful death lawsuit against three men, including former Alabama star Brandon Miller, pick of the Hornets number two overall. The other two men named in the complaint are former Alabama players Darius Miller and Michael Davis, who are facing capital murder charges in the shooting death of Jamia Janae Harris on January 15th. Miller was not charged with the crime. The lawsuit was filed in the United States District Court for the Northern District of Alabama Western Division and demands a jury trial to award damages. The the plaintiff... DeCarla Rayetta Hurd is Harris's mother and the representative of her estate. Harris, accompanied by her boyfriend, were in Tuscaloosa visiting her cousin when she was shot in the early morning hours of January 15th. So we certainly hear Wes and Walker will keep our eyes on that, bring you the latest details uh, as they come down. So for Brendan Miller, yet another uh, instance that he has to deal with in this case. And as I said, we will keep you updated on that. And so now for our last 
uh, shopping at Like It's Hot of the day. Shoppy, take it away. So it's kind of a slow news cycle outside of that news you just read off about Brandon Miller. Uh, we do have some injury updates here for the NFLs. Maybe this will be applicable to your fantasy teams here. So Deshaun Watson practices in full, but he's still questionable for their game this Sunday. And the Lions expect Jameer Gibbs to return against the Ravens, which would be huge for them. Yeah, it would be huge. And especially with no David Montgomery, he should hopefully get all of the touches to be able to be effective because when he does get his hands on the football he can do a lot of damage I know for my fantasy team I've been waiting on this day for him to be able to produce uh, in a big way and I hope that this week is the week that that happens and so uh, glad to see that then Deshaun Watson that's just been a weird situation because a couple weeks ago he was cleared by the doctors but still decided not to play and so with him I, I just think the perception of that man the optics of that just doesn't look good with everything that's happened to him you know in the NFL most guys if they can walk and chew gum that they're going to try to play regardless of the injury so for a guy especially your quarterback your uh, alleged leader for him not to play even though he's clear by the doctors, I know there was some teammates that certainly were looking at him with the side eye. And, you know, so that's just a, a wild situation in Cleveland. Fiddy, what are your thoughts on uh, those guys and those injury situations? I just wonder, is Jameer Gibbs going to get the football if, if, if he is on the <laughs> field? Because I don't know about U.S. My Twitter timeline during Lions games is just filled with fantasy players complaining that he's not getting the football. That, that's the, not, not about the game, them. not about what Jared Goff is doing, <laughs> not about guilty. Dan Campbell <laughs> wanting to bite someone's kneecaps. It's give Jameer gives the ball. And so I think that's going to be the interesting thing. That Ravens-Lions game I think is going to be sexy on Sunday. I mean, it's it's the wow. best game of the early window, in my opinion. Yeah, man. And so when you look at that situation with Gibbs, you draft him where you draft him. When you draft a guy as high as they did with him. You expect them to be a difference maker. You expect this guy to be a focal point of your offense, especially when we heard in the offseason that, hey, we're going to use him in ways that people might not think. I still think that that was such a <laughs> stupid a water statement. Boy right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and I guess they are achieving that goal by using him, by not giving him the ball as much as they probably should. So uh, that was one of the dumbest statements that we've heard this year because how many different ways can you use a running back, okay? Unless you decide to put the guy at offensive tackle, I feel like we've seen all of the ways that you plan to use uh, one Jameer Gibbs. Scra uh, Shrappy, you had one of those. I almost called you Scrappy, like yeah. Scrappy do. Yeah, no, I was just going to say um, <laughs> that was a pretty dumb uh, statement that they made, but hey, at least they didn't guarantee to be competitive for the division and then be on six. So. All right, man. Well, when we come back, we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
Okay. All right. We are back on the Winston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Joined by Josh Fittimala and board op slash producer extraordinaire Aaron Shropshire. Folks, Queen City, you are rocking to the sounds of my man, Aaron Shropshire, a.k.a. Shroppy. I love that. That sounds like... One of those West Coast vibey summertime, get in the car, you got a good day ahead, you're going to hit the mall, you're going to go shopping, you're going to go out to get you something to eat. Yeah. Just vibes right there. I really do like that. Like I said, Shroppy, I would keep it 100 with you all day long. Yeah. If the beats were not popping, I'd say, Shroppy, good thing that you are a good board op because ah. you probably should find something else to do, man. But those beats are dope, man. I mean, we got to get us a real listening session uh, back in the side studio. And we can put it on the socials because, like I said, man, you're pretty talented, man. So thank that, you. That's pretty dope. What, thank you. Thank you. What's, what's your process of making a beat? Because, like I said, I used to do that as well. What, like, what's your process, man, when you get into it? Do you just play around with stuff? And then when you catch when something catches your ear, because that's how I would do a lot of times. I'd either have synths or tracks or drums or something that would I would lay down, and then it would give me a little bit of a, a spark of an idea, and then I'd build around that. Or sometimes do you just go into it with the sound in your head, already knowing what you want? Because do you play the keys? Or you say you do Fruity Loops. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I so did. What's your process? I took piano lessons like growing up and stuff. But now for making stuff like that, I usually just find a sample that I like. And then I like to find two or three. I like to kind of layer them and chop them up and stuff. Uh-huh. So I do that. And then I lay down the drums. And then I love to get really creative with the 808s and stuff like that. So that's kind of... Where the, where the sauce comes from, dude. That's what's up, man. That was dope. Uh, Flem says on the text line, that beat was fire, and I normally hate everything. Okay, that's that's always hey. pretty good when you get somebody that's negative or doesn't like much. When you can get them to move and vibe with it, it's pretty yeah. cool. All right, Fitty, we got uh, some picks to make. I know we've kind of been in and out. Walker's not in this week, so I don't know how we're going to make up for him this week. Maybe we make the picks for him and then just say, you know, that's what we thought. <laughs> just go the opposite of what you and I have. But uh, let's make some picks for these games this weekend as we close this thing down. All right, where are we starting, Wes? All right, so uh, we've got, uh, let's start out with your Tar Heels against Virginia. Uh, I think that's maybe a fairly easy selection for us. So where are you going there? I've got I've got Carolina at home, a chance to get to 7-0. Uh, South's oldest rivalry, so I think they're going to be prepared to not lose a rivalry game. I got the heels big over the Wahoos. All right, I'm going to go Carolina on that as well. Charlotte versus East Carolina in the Battle of Disappointments, the Disappointment Bowl. Uh, I'm going to go with East Carolina at home, but I think this is going to be an ugly game. Yeah, I've got the Pirates too. I think they're going (laughs) to win this game 3-2. to All right, Furman and Western Carolina straight catamounts to find a Bryant factor. She went there back in the day, so I'm going to go with Western Carolina. Carolina, and they're rolling number one offense in FCS. Yeah, give me Western Carolina as well, just because I can't see Smoke disappointed in another local college football team. I'm going to go with Clemson to go down there and beat the reeling Miami Hurricanes, Dabo and the crew. Very resilient bunch. I'm going to go with them to take out the Canes and give Miami their third straight L. I think this game is massive for both programs. Clemson needs some help to get back to Charlotte, but they got to win their way out for that to be a possibility. They get the win on the road by seven. All right, App and Old Dominion on the road. Give me App to keep it above 500. I'm going to go with the Mountaineers. The, the, the game's in Boone? 
No, it's on the road. The game's on the road. At ODU. Old Dominion played Wake Forest tough. Give me Old Dominion to push Sean Clark to three and four. And okay. That, and that hot seat getting even on, only hotter. All right. And then uh, South Carolina, Missouri. <sighs> I'm going to take Missouri at home. This is this is the game that Willie P this morning, who told me on the side was uber confident in his Tigers to take down Bones Gamecocks, but was a coward and was not willing to make a bet. I'm I'm going to take Missouri. Brady Cook is maybe the best quarterback in the SEC. No one talks about South Carolina's defense is atrocious. Give him a zoo in a shootout. All right, what so a you, moment! <laughs> so you telling me that Drake may beat up on a weak South Carolina defense in Week One is what you're telling? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you saw what Grand <laughs> Merce did to him last week. That's all you need to know about that defense at Columbia. Duke and Florida State. Ooh, this is a big one. Duke, 21 consecutive losses to the nose. Never have beaten Florida State under the lights. Duke Campbell Stadium. But give me Duke. Give me Henry Beelin or Riley Leonard. If he plays, but I'm going to take the Blue Devils to go in there with that defense, with that confidence. They're not going to be worried about that crowd. They're not going to be worried about the helmet that Florida State has on their head. Give me Duke with another upset this weekend. I can't believe you're picking against your childhood team, the Florida State Seminoles. Look, well, they didn't recruit me, so to hell with them. Mike Elko has done a fantastic job, and they still have everything in front of them to play for an ACC championship. They played Notre Dame at home under the lights. This is on the road. It's in Tallahassee. Doke Campbell at night is just different. Also, go to hell, Duke, Florida State by two scores. <laughs> now, is that pick based on the fact of what your heart and body bleeds no, with that Tar Heel blue? Or is this just... You know, you're really looking at this game objectively because nobody's going to fault you for picking the nose. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, don't get it twisted. There's, there's very, it's very hard to pick Duke to win games, but Duke football's never been in the type of environment on the road they're going to be in on Saturday night. And I think, I think Florida State will overwhelm them. And if, even if Leonard plays, he's not 100%. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting spot, too, because Duke has had their biggest games on the schedule at home to this date. So we're going to see if they're built for the road. So that's another interesting storyline. Carolina Hurricanes last night took the L to Seattle 7-4, to but they got a massive one coming up against the team that stands beside them as the other Stanley Cup favorite in the Colorado Avalanche. Shrappy, I'm going to bring you in on this. You know I'm taking the Canes on the road to beat Colorado, baby. Come on now. They're 3-2. and two. But what say you, Aaron Shropshire? Will Carolina march into Colorado and bring an avalanche of their own? <laughs> As much as I'd like to say, I think so. Um, our goaltending has just been pathetic so far this season. They've played has. five games, Shroppy. Yeah, five. It we, has been, but they but have been the surrendering most, a lot of goals. We've had the most goals scored on us in the entirety of the NHL. At least so. someone's scoring in the state. They have to make. I think they might have to look at making a deal at some point to try yeah. to get a goaltender in there, man. What they call it between the pipes. Between the pipes, man, in the wow. crease. But yeah, I think. God, uh, I forgot who's who's co-hosting here when I say something like that. All right, moving on. Uh, so you think that Colorado gets the win? Yeah, I'm gonna say they win five five to three. All right, and then no Panthers this weekend. But let's just pick uh, uh, the biggest NFL game on the schedule to make the pick. We're talking about Dolphins and Eagles, the Sunday nighter. This is one of those massive season-defining uh, matchups for both of these teams. Who you got? Game of the year so far in the NFL. Night games in Philadelphia are a different vibe. They're bringing back the Kelly Green uniforms, by the way. The helmet looks sick. 
Two on the road, not as good as he is at home. I think I think Philadelphia wins 31-21. All right, well, give me the Dolphins. I think that they're going to go in there and prove it, that they're the real deal. I think the Eagles have been skating by with bad offense, and I think this is not the team that you want to be having trouble on offense with. I think the Dolphins come through, move the rock, get it to Tyreek Hill and the gang, and get the victory. All right, folks, get yourself set for Kyle Bailey and Smoke Ludwig to bring you their brand of sports talk. We've enjoyed you this week. Walker will be back on Monday full of wedding cake and probably uh, alcohol, maybe. Maybe not too much, but he'll be back with us next week. The Three Kings will be back at it. This is the Wes and Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Have a fantastic weekend. We get busy and we stay busy.